We've all had those wonderful experiences where God speaks in a mighty way. For you, it could have been at that camp when God called you into ministry. It was the beckoning of a person, but it was actually a beckoning of God that was a call upon your life. And through a bit of struggle, you yielded and gave yourself to God. And that was a spectacular moment. For us here, it's often in this chapel where it could be that reverberation of that pipe organ up there and we process in part of graduation and a chill goes down my spine when I see graduates that head on to other responsibilities that God has called them. Those have been times where God has spoken to you in a very definitive way, hasn't he? And there are times that God speaks through you. Remember those times? The times where you spoke for the youth group, where you addressed the children, and somehow got, God got through the barriers that were put up, the hardness of hearts, and used you as an instrument to move in other people's lives. God works in these spectacular ways in your own life and through you to others. Of course, we see this very definitely in the life of Elijah. Elijah was one who was called to be a prophet. And the word came to him to give that word to Ahab. Of course, Ahab the king was a bit errant. He had married Jezebel, which led the people astray, heading toward Baal and other directions. Elijah was called to talk to, uh, to talk to Ahab. And he went up and talked with him. And uh, Ahab saw him come and he says, uh, you know, what, who are you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah shot back and said, no, you're the troubler. You're the problem. You're the one leading people astray. And we're ready to come here now for a battle of the gods. And here is Elijah against those prophets, 450, 400, representing Baal and Asherah, all of these prophets, larger than would fill uh, double this chapel, all of these prophets, and the people of Israel, the people of Israel were, they were silent observers. They weren't there to really support Elijah. They were just waiting to see what was going to happen. And so there was Elijah against all of these prophets. You ever felt that way? When you seemed to be the only person that was the Christian in your workplace, in your school? How did you operate within that setting? You ever find that old saying that one with God is a majority? That God works in and through you in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your difficulties that you have. And we know that story of Elijah. There he was, and he let them go first in this battle of the gods. And they set up their altar, they set up their sacrifice, and they're called upon their God, who was supposed to be the God of fire. And... Dear Elijah, he really got into it. He was there mocking those prophets. 
It says around noontime, he started mocking them. Where's your God at? Where's that God of fire? Where's this God that's supposed to speak and work and consume this uh, offering? If you look at the Hebrew text very carefully, it says some very interesting things. In fact, it's very earthy. Uh, You look at our our text and it says something like, well, your God may be traveling or away or, or doing something. But the commentators would say something like, probably he's referring to something that is a bit earthy. Uh, probably has to do something with bodily elimination. <laughs> because your God is off somewhere doing something. The Living Bible says your God is sitting on the toilet. <laughs> That's a very earthly, earthy uh, expression. But probably it's something that catches that fire of Elijah where he's mocking those prophets. He's saying, your God is off doing something. Your God is not active. Your God is not present. Where is your God? And they're cutting themselves. They're doing everything to generate the attention of their gods. And their God is, and their gods are silent. And of course, we know Elijah, he rolls up his sleeves gets to work and taking those 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he gets the offering ready, the sacrifice. And of course, he puts the added part of drenching that whole offering with water. And then that's the time that he prays and where he asks God to show his power. And God demonstrates through fire and comes and consumes all of that offering, licks up all the water, and God does this marvelous, spectacular thing right in the midst of all the people. And the people were crying out that this is God. God is alive and operating. That's the spectacular. Have you had that spectacular operate in your life? Maybe it's uh, when you're counseling someone and God breaks through to that person. Maybe it's in a sermon or a ministry to someone. But it's spectacular when you pray for someone and God has a special healing ministry and God breaks through. Those are wonderful times, aren't they? The times of the spectacular. They're lonely times as well. One against so many. Sometimes you get resistance, sometimes you get complaints, but where is God? God, we rejoice in the midst of this spectacular, God is working in and through us. But we have to turn the page, that there is that post-retreat syndrome, that after the spectacular, you have to come off the mountain and come back to earth. Have you had that experience when you're driving back from that retreat and oh, you feel like you're physically, spiritually exhausted and you come back to earth and sometimes you actually go a bit below where you started off because you're drained. You've given. It's like when I preach three sermons on one Sunday, a morning, two morning sermons and an afternoon and they were all different sermons to three different congregations. And boy, I had something in the evening and I felt like, oh boy, you're just fully exhausted. You know, 
Can you say your name? <laughs> Can you reply? Because you're drained. And that happens. We see that in Elijah's case where after he's, everything's finished, the dust is settled, all of a sudden he's called uh, to a different type of work. In fact, Jezebel finds this out and he says, I'm going to make you like one of those prophets that were killed. And at that one sentence that was delivered to him, she didn't deliver someone to kill him. She sent the threat. And what does he do? With that threat, it says he was fearful. He's off and running. And then again, he's exhausted physically, spiritually, emotionally. He runs until he basically collapses. And God finds him in that place and works toward restoring him. Restoring him with food and rest and water. Do you know that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to take a nap? You know, you can't push and push and take all your energy drinks and, and line up your caffeine. Doesn't always work. But sometimes, you know, God wants you to get a rest. We're at that point of the semester, post midterms, and I, I tell my students, um, and I, you know, we take attendance and all, I said, it's time for strategic skipping, because everybody will say, okay, I got to miss this class so I can do that, or miss chapel so I can do this, and then they run back and forth between trying to get things done. My encouragement always is cut your losses, realize where you are, where you might need to go, and move forward with help. But sometimes it, you need a nourishing meal, a comfort food. Sometimes you need something else that will help to restore you. And sometimes it's just maybe just taking a walk down to the river and getting some fresh air or working out or doing something that might help to restore you in the midst of all the stress and pressure that you're facing. And we're all facing it, aren't we? Whether we're students, staff, and faculty. But somehow in this sacred place, is, there's a need to encounter God. It's an encounter day, isn't it? <laughs> what are you encountering? You know, a bit of introduction to school and what is Tyndale about. But my hope and prayer for you is that you encounter God. That God moves into your life and says, is this the place that you need to be or not? And, you know, we can do all we can to attract you and introduce you and all of that, but if this is not the place God wants you to be here, may I say, we don't want you to be here either because we don't want on all the uh, trip advisors saying, this is Tyndale, <laughs> you know? I remember one time we were together praying with admissions, and someone was praying, yeah, Lord, help us, give us wisdom, how we can attract more people. And I had this Holy Spirit moment that I prayed, and I'm not even a charismatic Pentecostal. And this Holy Spirit moment, I prayed, Lord, make this place so, and the students so attractive that they're going to draw people who want to be part of this. It's not us getting the word out and drawing everybody. All those are important. But if each one of you, as little Christ's, Christians are attracting people, that will bring people to Christ, that will bring people to the school, that will bring people to the kingdom of God.
Amen? And I know we all struggle. And we're full schedules. And that's where we need God to speak to us, is not only in the spectacular, but in the silence. And that's where we see the story of Elijah, where in, we know that God does speak in the spectacular, but in the silence, it was not in the wind, it was not in the earthquake, it was not, it was not in the fire, but what the, often the King James calls the still, small voice. Other people call it a gentle silence, the quietness. Have you found that place of quietness? Probably it's, it's without this. And we're in a wireless campus. I remember walking past a classroom. It was Dr. Sherbino's spiritual formation class. And I peeked in through the back, through the window. And, you know, there's Dr. Sherbino talking about spiritual formation. And the guy in the back's watching hockey highlights. Great spiritual formation. And there were my students were, I said, well, you know, like, take notes, you want to use computer. And I see person in the back like this. That's not taking notes, that's surfing the web. <laughs> and you know, I'm just as distracted as you are. You know, I, it's so easy to get caught up with social media and so many different things. I remember one time I posted something to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and uh, it was a picture of a Blue Jay from my backyard that, that often visits me. And all of a sudden they retweeted to their million followers and all of a sudden you could just see the, the views and the retweets that came up. I had like 50,000 views. And then I posted something else, 50,000 views. I'm just kind of watching this like spin. It's just wow, you know, like it's so exciting when things like that happen. You hit the lottery, which we can't do. <laughs> but it's like just so exciting to see God you know, at work. But I tell you, God speaks more powerfully in the silence. But whether we can get to that place, it is so hard with especially all of the you know, social media, all of the things that that draws. I mean, we can definitely, uh, we can be a full-time student of social media, right? It's very easy to be drawn uh, into that, and I'm, I'm often drawn into that as well. But I definitely need time for silence, for God to speak. It's being attentive and not walking around with your head down and you bump into people because you're, you've got your face into the phone all the time. It's really like being open to situations and things where God can speak. Have you had those divine encounters? Yesterday, I went to uh, you know, a coffee shop to get my free bagel and my free coffee through the whole month. Uh, and I went there and I met this pastor that I've known for many, many years and we had a little conversation. I went there this morning, met him again. Had another conversation. Those are divine encounters. And sometimes you meet people that uh, you run into and who, you know, God has a purpose. I ran into somebody three, day, three times in two days. And I said, I think we better sit down here. <laughs> you know, there's something going on. There's a divine encounter here. These God moments that God brings into your life through different people, different circumstances, 
often where God meets you in a quieter place when you're open. I tell you, I play a bit of a game. Like if I go out on a Saturday, I might go to a store and different places. I count how many people that I, I run into randomly. <laughs> I think it's like my, I run into about seven people from a church, from a school, all different places. I actually went and ran into somebody and I, he kind of smiled at me and said, do I know you? He goes, no. Okay. <laughs> but sometimes I really, you know, like these are divine encounters, divine moments that are wonderful that you can see God at work. And so sometimes it is in the spectacular, often it's in the quietness. And I tell you that there was a time where I was, I wouldn't say burned out, but it was close to that. I was really tired in pastoral ministry. What, what told me this is I was in the library and I was watching a video and the video was about evangelism. I was preparing for some preparation for a, a teaching. And you know, I was sitting there by myself and I cried. I said, you know, there was a time where I really felt compassion for people. I felt that there was something about sharing the gospel. And I knew I'd become jaded. I knew I was lost my edge. I knew what sometime preaching was like getting up and going through the motions. And I was honest enough, I would tell people, God didn't speak to me this week. I have nothing to share with you, but I'm a great actor and I went through the motions every week. But I knew I had to go someplace and go somewhere and I actually came to this place, this location and had a spiritual retreat many years ago. And I was there and all of a sudden I slowed down enough to start hearing birds, hearing the water heater, hearing different things that I don't think I've heard for a long time. And through that, I actually was reading scripture and, and slowing down, and I was reading John 21, where it talks about Peter saying, Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I read one book, and it says, the, for him the question was, but do you realize that I love you? And with that, I broke down again and I cried and I spontaneously started singing, I love you, Lord. Because I is saying, God, I love you. I mean, I'm working as a pastor. I'm getting a low salary. You know, I sacrifice all these things for you. But God was saying, you haven't received my love. You haven't come to that place where you're receiving it. Where's the pastor's pastor? Where's the counselor's counselor? I am the one who is God, who heals you, who comforts you, who moves into your life and works in you and through you. But that comes at the point of reception, of receiving what God wants for you in your life. And I know it's hard to get to that place. Um, I do some personal retreats a couple of times a year and my students have to spend three hours with God as uh, internship students. There's places and times that we need to do that, to listen to God on a consistent basis. And it, again, I know it's hard because we have so many things to do. The B word, we're so busy. We have so many assignments to do. But set an appointment with God. Have that time where you can listen and to be restored. 
so that you can get that perspective of healing where Elijah is healed, he is recommissioned, he's got another person that he's building into, Elisha, he's got more to do but in the strength and the love of God. And I've got a homework assignment for you as a good professor. I give you a week to do it, late marks after that. Um, Our follow-through is I want you to spend a half hour with God before next week's chapel. That I've got some more information about how to do that, some scripture and so forth on, on this website. So take a look at the website and I want you to report back to me Uh, through email, through Twitter, through Instagram, you know, one of those ways. uh, And I want to see how many people will be able to respond back. But take it as a challenge that it's a start. It's a way that you want to spend time with God in great, wonderful uh, prayer, meditation, and scripture. Here's how you do it. You set aside a time, a place. Could be the first thing in the morning, lunch, evening, You take out your phone. You put your phone on airplane mode, which means you will not receive any texts, any any, uh, messages. And for that period of time, just concentrate on the scriptures and listening to God. And I believe that with that, God will be marvelously at work, healing, strengthening, and using you. And I just tell you that after I had that encounter with God, I met somebody after who was that person that doesn't seem to change. They're always complaining. I met that person and he told me, you're different. You're not judging me like you usually do. And you know what? God had worked from the inside out to give me love as opposed to me generating that love. And I believe that's the same thing for us. As we have these personal encounters with God, that emphasis of God speaking to you, that emphasis on the main idea, God powerfully speaks to us in the silence, God will use us. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful example of Elijah. It's so human to try to do things in your own strength, but yet be empowered that God can use us And yet we come to that point of brokenness, of of, uh, exhaustion, and we need your strength, your help. I pray, Lord, that you will be working mightily in each of us, especially at this time of semester where it's very easy to be looking for shortcuts and, and trying to get different types of help, which may not be a godly source. Lord, give us your strength and your perspective. We pray for all the Encounter students and their families. Guide them specifically in your pathway as they would want to follow your desire and will. Thank you for all of this. And now may God's grace and strength and peace be ours in abundance. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I look forward to your uh, homework getting turned in by next week.